Yo, Carter, my man, you're finally back in the States, dude. How is Spain, man? Oh, it was fun. It was fun. It was nice being there for Christmas and New Year's. Uh, but I, dude, I'm so tired. This jet lag's been kicking my butt ever since I've been back. And I haven't been sleeping well at all. I'm going to bed at like 7 p.m. I'm waking up in the middle of the night with these nightmares and stuff. Like, it's crazy. It nightmares? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, I they got to be nightmares because they're oh, scary shit. But um, I think it was, it might have been like a week ago or so. I, it might New Year's Eve, actually, for me because of the time zone difference. Um, I woke up randomly at like 1.30 in this nightmare, looked at my phone, and saw that we lost to Providence. And then like I, a few days later, um, I think it was actually last Friday, I got another, It was this was right after we got back from the trip, I got another alert saying that we got spanked by Seton Hall. And I, I was like, oh boy, okay, it's this freaking tap water that I had in my hotel. Yeah. Um, any? Can you remember any details? From either of them? Um, no, not real. I know something like I was scouring for Mac highlights on YouTube, and I couldn't find any for the uh, for the Providence game. So I assume he didn't play super well. Um, and then for the Stan Hall game, I was looking for Amer highlights, and I just couldn't. My computer started crashing and fouling me. And fouling you? Did it? Uh, did it get burned on the pick and roll as well? You know, now that I think about it, I think it did. It's like coming really close to me for some reason. Yeah. I was like, dude, stop. You know, someone else is open. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. It must have, I swear, man. It's just, it's nightmares. Welcome to DC. You think? Yeah, I think I know. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, welcome back to uh, welcome to DC Georgetown Hoops podcast. This is your host Dan Baldwin and Carter Owen back at it. Unfortunately, Georgetown's own two in the Big East and hasn't given us. I really, I really haven't had a single reason to look at this team now and be. Well, you know, I feel good moving forward. <laughs> Yeah, I know, we're optimists by nature, but everything that can or could have gone wrong has gone wrong, and I'm surprised you guys can even hear us over the air right now, because we both have a big slice of humble pie in our mouths. Uh, I, it's a little bit more than humble, it might be depressed pie. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, dude. New Year's, same boys. <laughs> yeah, really, because, okay. So do you want to just do we, we how do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about both games individually? Do you want to talk them as a whole? How do we want to break this down? I think we can go both of them individually, just because the circumstances were really different. I um, would agree. In um, each of the losses, I wasn't. All right, so all right, we might as well go in chronological order. Let's look at Georgetown Providence. I I, I was really hoping this was just going to be kind of like a perfect storm type of loss. 
in the way for Providence. Listen, we didn't have McClung, who's obviously our top offensive playmaker. Like, from a pure value standpoint, McClung probably brings more than any Hoyo when it comes to having the offense run effectively because he can do so much with the ball on the ground and setting up his teammates and, like, yeah. opening different, like, routes to score. Believe so, it or not, he actually has the uh, highest offensive box plus minus of anyone on the team. Mac. Yeah, and it, make, it makes total uh, like sense. Like a point and a half, I think, over Omer. Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, and not having someone of his caliber really stagnated the entire offense. We looked off. We were playing tight, and Providence just wasn't missing in the first half. Everything, like even that little bitch, Luane Pipkins was hitting shots. <laughs> Dude, I, he's got a punchable face. I'll tell you that. Oh, I just want to go out there and beat the absolute holy hell out of him. <laughs> funny because he went up behind him. Mac was doing an interview and he just goes, we coming for you, boy. We coming. And Mac just like looked at him and was like, what are you doing? Yes, that's a great way to put it. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> I mean, it's honestly a fair comment. I, I've, I, nobody knew who he was. <laughs> But now I guess we do. What a name, too. Dwayne Pipkins. Dude, yeah, it's a tough one. Straight out of a comic book. <laughs> it really is, but, you know, we lost 76-60. Alpha Diallo did his thing, 7 of 12 from the field, 8 boards, 4 steals, 20 points. <sighs> Pipkins, 14 fucking points, 2 for 5 from 3, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. Listen, we got got in that game. Simple as that. The offense was stagnant. We had a difficult time defending pretty much anything. We gave up 54 first half points. And listen, I get that we outscored them by 15 in the second half. But Carter, how much of that was just Providence taking the fucking foot off the gas? Oh, it had to be. I mean, I, I was about to say anyway, as a caveat before you did, that this game wasn't even as close as the score indicated. I mean, we we. Man, watch it. That's probably one of the toughest games I watched in a while. Providence got off to a, I believe it was like ten nothing, then twenty four to six, then like forty to eighteen lead, and it just kept growing. We looked really bad, so yeah. bad that Murasan got fifteen minutes. We were losing forty five to fifteen with two minutes left in the first half. Man, <laughs> like you can't even make that up. No, it's. Too I even some of the tweets were like, Providence, the worst team in the Big East, is crushing Georgetown, just as we all expected. Dickie and V even tweeted out, he's like, is he's like, is this like a legitimate score? <laughs> bad. I mean, that was, it gave us a lot of reasons for concern. It wasn't just that Providence couldn't miss anybody either, it's that um, without Mac, we had no perimeter players who could penetrate off None. the table. None. It, 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 was, it was pathetic, honestly, watching Jagan and Terrell try to create, even Javon. Like Javon was three of fourteen, Terrell was three of fifteen. Well, the thing is, in my opinion, Terrell, I, Terrell, and Javon, Jagan is just by his nature a very unaggressive offensive player. He's not really going to put the ball in the deck a lot and look to create his own shot. He's more, he's just a more complimentary player. That's where he feels most comfortable. So that led to Javon and Terrell taking a combined twenty nine shots and. <sighs> 
29. Six for 29 combined, the two of them. Listen, we all know that Javon has difficulty dribbling as it is. <laughs> so it's it was frustrating to watch. They couldn't – neither one of them had the explosiveness to create any separation at all. It's – and getting the ball to Omer, Omer, yeah, he's 6 of 8 from the field, 10 boards, 14 points, but he was getting swarmed down low. Oh, yeah. he, he couldn't do anything. And that's the issue with this Georgetown team. You have, in essence, two offensive playmakers, Mack and Omer. One has an off night, you're buried. You're buried from yeah. the get-go. It's as simple yeah. as that. I was going to say, thank God Mack learned how to shoot because if all if he was the same version of himself last year, we would be so bad. Yeah, because yeah, Omer would get doubled and pushed out of his spot. He doesn't really play in the low post as it is. Um, and his vision's not that great either. Which is a whole other discussion, but man, it was we got exposed. I think yes, that's the did. best way to describe it. Uh, I think, yeah, the, I, the big thing that I learned from this game is the margin for error for this Georgetown Hoya team is slim to none. It's just, it's 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 that so many things need to break right for us to be competitive. Yeah, I, I think that's something that I definitely was aware of when I made our. Uh, prediction to finish sixth in the Big East, which even that is looking a little bit, you know, like a reach. But I knew that when you run seven and a half players, you know, I'll count Mirasan as a half, um, who already were overachieving with this winning streak that we were on, and, and mostly beating up teams that we are better than outside of uh, the Syracuse and OK State games, you can't afford people to play below their abilities or even at their abilities i mean we had a lot of people who i think were overachieving just individually um and seeing all that against a team that is good but should not really be our measuring stick and i don't think was our measuring stick heading into it left me and you i know really worried going into the seat hall game yeah i didn't think after this performance i thought seat walking into seaton hall with powell back it was essentially feeding like a chicken into a lion's den. I, <laughs> even with Mac back, I was really not confident heading into that game because going into Seton Hall is a difficult place to play in general. Yeah. We got waxed yeah. last. We got waxed last season there, and um, again, I think uh, it was just frustrating, man. I um, I think this team still can be successful, but. Listen, it, again, the margin for error is so slim. And one of the biggest things that concerned me, because, like, listen, I, everybody was ready to be like, okay, if Georgetown went into Seton Hall and beat them, we were ready to wipe off that Providence loss. So that's just a mirage. You know, Mac was out. They had a great shooting night. But the concerns carried into this Seton Hall game. And honestly, the Seton Hall game made me a little bit more concerned than the Providence game did, considering how we lost and the lack of adjustments made throughout the game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think at the end of the day, we had a really big excuse as to why we lost to Providence. Um, Max, clearly the second best player, and I would argue the most important player on our team, as we've likely seen now. Um, but the Seton Hall game, we didn't even... I kind of looked at it, I was like, we didn't even play... 
poorly in the fact that we had a bad game. I, I thought we played like I expected us to. Um, I, I, outside of Omer, I think everyone else, you know, we have Jaken 7, 5, and 4, Jamarco almost a double-double, Terrell played well, didn't turn it over that much, Javon hit a couple shots, Kudas had 8 boards in 8 minutes, Mac with 20. I'm sure he could have shot a little better, but like not enough for us to be competitive. Listen, uh, I the way we lost this game, I think I saw th- a couple of reasons. Well, firstly, uh, Zoe Miles Kale, that bastard. <laughs> I, I said this last year when Miles Kale performed against us last year, we had no shot. He scored in our only win against Seton Hall last year. He scored one bucket. It was a two pointer, and it was in fast break. It was a layup. Um, in both games we lost to Seton Hall last year, he was hitting threes. And a lot of the shots he hit early on, he went four for four, and I think he ended the first half five for seven or something of that sort. He was yeah, five for six I from three. Five for five, I think. Yeah, he might have been. Um, he was hitting contested looks. At one point, Terrell Allen looked at Ewing and was like, what am I supposed to do? I'm lighting <laughs> his grill and he's hitting this. So yeah. it, right off the bat, I was like, this has a bad feeling. Um, the offense looked okay to start off. Mac was really looking to push the envelope, and I think that that him sitting back and watching that Providence game kind of gave him a sense of urgency. Like, I need to drop twenty every single game if we are gonna win. And I think that kind of led him to play a little bit out of control in the first half. He was rushing some things. Really, he was missing some open looks. Kind of playing with tunnel vision. He settled down in the second half and played much better. I thought. But it's going to be an adjustment for him on how he handles this pressure of being the most important player on the team and basically the key cog to our offense. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, firstly, Miles Kale was shooting 33% from three heading into this game. It's ridiculous. And 48% from the line. So you already knew he was going to have a crazy game against us. But, yeah, I think to your point about Mac, he saw how much he's needed by the team. And I don't think he's good enough still to be someone who takes 20 shots a game, but because of the opportunity that he has and and the need that we have for him to be a really high-volume scorer, he's going to have some games like this, I think. Um, Something I wanted to point out, too, interestingly, was how different his shot selection is from last year already. Um, I know by the time he got to Big East play, we were talking about him hitting that one-handed push shot a little bit, um, trying to get to the line a lot. I mm-hmm. think he did a good job of that. Missed a couple free throws, though, which is un- uncharacteristic for him. But, you know, you can ultimately say he tried to do too much, but he's going to have to do too much for us to even try to have a shot to beat these teams. I would even say that Mac is going to get a lot of doubles he's going to face a lot of high intensity ball pressure i thought in the second half he did a much better job of handling that he cooked quincy mcknight who's a fantastic on-ball defender a couple of times he really went after him oh yeah that's that's the move i was thinking he busted out a he busted out a couple of crosses spun right by him and, and tossed a floater up over romaro gill for uh two and that was that was pretty but I think Mac's value could even come from 
passing and creating op- opportunities from the outside for a guy like Jagan, for Terrell Allen, for Jamarco. Those three guys can hit threes. So if Matt can create, look, one, the next step in his development is going to be able to consistently f- get into the paint and find open teammates on the outside. Once he can do that, he could potentially get to a Miles Powell level. Because even though, and this is something that really concerns me even more, Miles Powell, Jagan Mosley clamped him last mm-hmm. night. Mosley came to play. In my opinion, he put us in a position to win. He did his role. As you said, seven, five, four, two steals. Granted, he had five turnovers. But That's his, what happens when he tries to dribble. Yeah. Some of his passes were bad. Yeah, they were. Um, but he shut down Powell. Powell didn't score until like the eight-minute mark in the first uh, first half. And that was Omer's fault. Omer was late with the help and fouled him and gave Powell an and one. Powell ended the game 6 of 17, 2 of 8 from 3, 6 assists, 2 steals, 15 points. Um, but Powell did his damage in the second half in particular, passing the ball primarily. He, uh, he and McKnight absolutely murdered us in the pick and roll. Destroyed us. We had no answers. For the pick and roll. Romero Gill scored a career high 17 points on 6 of 9 from the field. We had no answers. I mean, how many times are we going to hedge a high screen and roll and not rotate? It, ha- it was like clockwork, Carter. It was like clockwork. Yeah, I didn't even know who Romero Gill was. And he's this guy playing like an NBA big against an NBA big. Just because Omer is... He goes for how slow he is. He shouldn't hedge so much, especially because Jaden was doing a good job one on one. I don't know. It's, I mean, to his credit, the guy is seven two, so and knows how to use his size fairly well. Uh, partially because he's twenty five, which I found out after the game. I didn't know that. Yeah, he also has our birthday. Believe it or not, October second, nineteen ninety four. Welcome to the club, big fella. <laughs> so we can't hate him too much, but it's you know. He is by no means someone who should be making up for Powell's off night. No, because Gill is a defensive player. Rothstein actually tweeted out saying that he's probably the best defensive big in the country earlier this week. And he really took Omer out of his game completely. Yeah. Stuffed him in a locker, ate his lunch, gave him a swirly, whatever you want to say. (laughs) He... Flat out humiliated Omer. And Omer, honestly, we're going to learn a lot about this kid come Wednesday night because this is the worst game I've seen from him in a Hoya uniform. 3 of 14, 4 fouls, 5 rebounds, 9 points. And honestly, Carter, he just looked soft. He did, yeah. I mean, it's, there was a clear lack of toughness offensively, hustle defensively, mm-hmm. um, awareness in terms of when a double was coming and which way he could go. Um, I think of his buckets, one was an offensive rebound, one was uh, a hook shot, and I don't know his other one, but I don't think he hit a single one of those fadeaways. He hit one. That, okay, one. It was early in the game. Eight feet. And so, like, I, I've never seen Omer go up and through somebody. No, no. Um, I, don't, I don't understand that. He's big. He probably has, like, I think he still has size on Gill. Uh, no, he doesn't. Shorter. No, uh, in terms of weight, sorry. How much does Omer weigh? 260? 270? 270. Yeah, then he does have size. I think Gill's 265. Yeah. Yeah, so he he has weight on him then. Um, Just get get him jumping, too. Go through him, draw fouls. 
it just he was almost like a one trick pony. Yeah, he and, was. And didn't change things up when that one trick wasn't working. No, he hit his first fadeaway, which might have been the death, <laughs> like the death <laughs> sentence, because someone who is as talented and skilled as Omer, it's easy to fall in love with that fade. But listen, there comes a point in time when he's big and he's long. And he's not necessarily coordinated either. I guarantee you, Ewing is going to... I mean, Ewing didn't mince words either. He's like, Omer was terrible tonight. And (laughs) it's as simple as that. Again, my biggest complaint is the lack of adjustments from this team. How many times were they going to see the high pick and roll and simply not adjust anything? to the defensive game plan. It happens all the time in the first half, and then it continued in the second. And it led to easy opportunities for Gill at the rim and the defense being put on its heels and open opportunities on the perimeter. Hey, Hoya fans. We just wanted to take a second out of the episode here to talk to you about Anchor, the current podcasting host site that we're using. Anchor is a free mobile app that you can download to publicize your podcast. It, it distributes your podcast to the following platforms, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. It even allows you to make money without minimum listenership. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, I mean, it lets you record right from the app, too. It's completely free to use, uh, and it's everything you need to make a podcast. Our experience from it has been absolutely amazing thus far. So, if you want to check it out, download the free Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm to get started. And, and I think it's funny, too, because what I saw from that, I don't know how much of that lack of adjustment falls on the coaching and how much of it just ultimately lies on our lack of talent. I mean, Seton Hall without Mama was probably, like, the fourth or fifth best team in the Big East. And, like, they just they clearly looked better than us. Yeah. Like I, you know, you brought up Quincy McKnight before. He would clearly be the third best player on our team. Dude, I mean, speaking of McKnight, McClung, listen, man, he oh, he could yeah. he could not guard McKnight. Yeah. How many times did Quincy get an edge on him, and Mac was just completely taken out of the play because he couldn't stay in front of McKnight, and that put yeah. a defense on our heels too, because it would force yeah. the big to rotate. And McKnight and McKnight's a good enough passer to find the open man down low. It was just easy. 100%. It was too or use easy. As a lob threat. Yes, and it, it, you don't even need to make a good pass because of how poorly our defense rotated. But if you're <laughs> Mac, you got to put forth a better effort to keep McKnight or your men in front of you. Yeah, and Mac's never going to be someone who guards the best player on another team. And fairness, his defense is, I think pretty improved this year it is improved uh, but he's averaging like a steal and a half a game which i think is he's doing a much better job of reading passing lanes he's kind of going like the steph curry route of playing defense um but yeah it's just they were just better like imagine if powell did play well yeah yeah <laughs> would have been a 40 point loss i know and it's like seton hall wasn't even the team that i was scared of per se i didn't think we'd win either but I'm worried, man. I mean, beyond all of this, we haven't even talked about fatigue. <laughs> like, our guys are playing 35 minutes and up. I mean, Mac, Jagan, Jamarco played 36, Terrell played 31, Omer played 30. And I, I, I don't know how we'll be stamina-wise even a month from now. It'll be, uh, it's something to watch, dude. I, uh, 
I don't know. I thought Jamarco played well, though, for the most part. He had a couple of bad passes. But one thing that's interesting about Jamarco is that he's a consistent matchup nightmare. He had a couple of really nice... You know, he's good with getting to his spot mid-range and doing that little fadeaway jumper using his length to create room for himself. He had a couple of nice moves where he spun off his defender when he was backing him down into that shot and hit both of them. If we are going to have any success moving forward, Jamarco's got to score about 10 a game, I think. Rebound yeah. about 10 a game. It's as simple as that. I, 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 I would say more than 10 even. I'd say like 12 to 14. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's, he's, he's very good at creating his own shot, honestly. He's just, he just doesn't make him as much as we would like. But he can use his length. Um, and his handle is kind of functional, especially once he gets the ball, you know, in the high post, mid post area. And he can get a shot off against anybody. He can. I, uh, it's, it's just, I'm frustrated. It we is... got to call more plays for him. Yeah, we do. Especially when the game's getting out of hand, right? It seems like O'Mare is the only one who ever gets a touch below the three-point line. Yeah, him or, you know, Mac, if Mac penetrates. <laughs> or if he's coming off like a pin down. Because Mac is actually really good on catch-and-shoot opportunities off of <laughs> off-ball screens. Especially in, Ewing really likes to use uh, Mac mid-range shots out of baseline plays, like under the, yeah, under the basket. Yeah, two of those in this game. Yeah, he's a big fan of having Mac curl off screens, getting him stepping into his shot, which is smart because Mac is very capable when he's in rhythm. We all know Mac is a rhythm shooter. So, listen, I'm concerned. I, I think that's fair. I wanted to ask you what were your thoughts on the, the flare, the, the mini brawl at the end of the yeah. game? Um, I mean, I thought, it was, I, I thought we didn't look too good in it. I didn't I think so either. I love Mac, and you know that, but the from what I like did of rip reading or lip reading, excuse me. Wow. Um, after Mac blocked McKnight, he kind of said something as he was walking away, mm-hmm. and and Quincy was like, "Bro, look at the score." He literally even pointed up. Yeah. See, I, <laughs> and, then, I, I, and then probably something else got you know they were like, "Ah, oh, shut up, white boy," and then Mac was like, "Ah, oh, what?" And, you know. See, it's funny. A lot of um football player on. Yeah, a lot of uh, Hoya fans are like, Max showing amazing leadership. I didn't think that was leadership. Yeah, me neither. I, I thought it was I thought it was Mac had a very frustrating game, even though he scored 20 points. And he just let his frustration and emotion kind of take over him. Listen, you, I, you blocked him. That's great. Walk away. You're getting your asses handed to you. Why do you need to walk over, look down, say something to him? And if I'm McKnight, I would have done the exact same thing. I would have went up to him and said, look at the scoreboard. Like, you got no reason to talk. And listen, I I love the fact that Mac is going to stand up to anyone. Because Gil was the one who initiated the shoving. He went over and shoved Mac, and Mac went right after him. Oh, yeah. Seven foot two, McClung doesn't care. <laughs> he got a foot on him, he'll come he after you. So yeah. you got to respect that. I'm not going to back down from you, but it wasn't leadership, in my opinion. It was simply, this was a frustration brawl. It was Mac was frustrated, and he let his emotions get the better of him. He should have just walked away. But then again, he showed fight. I don't know. Like It's one of those things where what he was feeling is probably what all the fans were feeling. Just annoyance, anger, how is this happening? Everything about it, all the good feelings from that six-game winning streak, it's it's just like a year ago. 
they're literally. not. Yeah, they're not. They're everything is gone. All the happy go lucky, yay! Addition through subscri- subtraction. All those feelings. They're sayonara. They're gone. Yeah, um, it literally was a year ago too. FYI, I don't know if you noticed that. Twenty twenty. <laughs> That's so, what I'm here for. Yeah, so I, I... Yeah, I think... I mean, how do you feel going into St. John's about this? There's a lot of doom and gloom here, but do you think we turn it around? I think there's a chance. Uh, obviously, there are two ways you can look at this. One, we just aren't good. We aren't... We are not good enough to compete at the Big East level this year. These teams are more complete than us. They're more talented than us. They're deeper than us. And... There's just really nothing we can do about it. And if we're going to have any chance to be remotely successful, we need to play the perfect game. That's one way you can look at it. The other way you can look at it is, okay, this is just simply a like a puberty period for this team. Like We're going through puberty. <laughs> we're adjusting to a higher level of talent and a higher level of competition. Going so on the road, say, say it again. So you would say the six-game winning streak was like a croak spurt. Yeah. And now we are, I guess, going through growing pains. Yeah, growing pains, like you're getting yeah. acne, all that stuff. You're kind of confused. <laughs> you don't really yeah. know what's going yeah, on. Nightmares. <laughs> yeah, nightmares, all that stuff. Um, and it, it is possible to regain some of the moxie and the mojo that this team had, but it needs to kind of rediscover itself at this level. I think that's a possibility, and I don't think we can say for sure which it is. I think a little bit of both can be true. I think that the ball movement and the way this team was penetrating and finding each other, I think it is rediscoverable, but I think it needs to be done in a little bit of a different way. And the and the margin for error is going to be much smaller. We saw against teams like American, you could come out, and even Samford to an extent, you could come out and miss a lot of shots in the beginning and still blow a team out. You can't come out slow against any team in the Big East. None. And expect to win. you got to be ready to play for all 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I mean, I have to look at this from a psychological angle, given who I am. But I don't know if we were feeling ourselves a little bit. We might have been. They might have been hearing the outside noise, touting them, saying, this team is dangerous. This team is ready to come up and make some noise. I really don't know. And quite frankly, St. John's, they're probably a bottom two team in the Big East as of right now with us, but we got destroyed, dismantled in our first two games. St. John's first game, they were down 37-16 to at home against Butler. Butler, they're probably the best team in the Big East right now. And with essentially without LJ Figueroa and definitely without Mustafa Heron, who was out that game, they came back, outscored Butler by 19 points in the second half and had them on the ropes and almost beat them. They ended up losing 60-58 to due to a last gasp, 7 nothing spurt that Butler had. Kamar Baldwin came back from a sprained ankle and uh, lift and essentially willed that team to a victory because Butler was, Butler was on the ropes. And St. John's, it, you want to talk about fight and character? This team has it, even though it may not necessarily be super talented and skilled. Figueroa, Marcellus Erlington, Greg Williams, Rasheem Dunn, those were the guys that really stepped up 
and played well. And even though they're not a good offensive team, they're going to play defense. They absolutely will. I believe they're a top 50 defensive team, according to Ken, Ken Palm. They're 56th. They're, 50, they're 56th when it comes to defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. So, listen, this isn't going to be a game where we walk in and, you know, win by a comfortable margin. I don't think anybody expects that, given how poorly we've played the past two games. But we're going to learn a lot about this team Wednesday night. Yeah. Especially because we're at home. I think we'll see, you know, this is, like we mentioned before, it was a perfect storm these first two games. Injuries, bad shooting performances, on the road. You know, we'll see how Ewing uses his timeouts, but I thought he used them well um, in the games, just to, at least to try to stop the bleeding. But yeah, I, I'm honestly somewhat confident, because I think that if you're going to get punched in the face, might as well have it happen as early as possible. Um, you got yeah, That's a good point. And like, I mean, with the way the Big East is, and it's been, it's going to be an absolute dogfight the entire year. So I think from our end, if we have that thing that we can keep in the back of our minds and say, wow, wait a second, either A, we're not as good as we thought we were, or B, we got to keep our foot on the gas pedal. Um, I mean, the fact that that's happened already worries me a little bit, but I do think we should be able to rebound against St. John's. I, I'd say we win by five. I'll predict a win, too, just because that's the way I like to be. I like to be optimistic. Um, I think good energy from all the fans puts uh, good energy on the court yeah. with, the, with the team. I'll be there. You know, feel that. You're going to go? Yeah, yeah. It's the first. It's the night that classes resume. All right. Well, that'll be something. Pretty hype. Pretty hype, man. Hopefully, we can come out, show out, perform. And because, quite frankly, Carter, if we lose this game, we could be looking at 0-5. Oh, yeah. It's afterwards, it's Nova. And then at Creighton. Nova, and then home versus Creighton. We each said we do not like the matchup when it comes to Creighton. <laughs> yeah, and, and Creighton has not done anything to dispel that. No. No, they have looked very, very good. <laughs> I think Zagorowski's a star in the making. Tyshawn Alexander's a potential NBA player. Mitch Ballack can shoot the lights out. They got some nice role players. Even though they lost at Butler, Butler's a good defensive team, and they are close to impossible to beat at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So, listen, we're going to see. I think, I don't know. I really don't know. But we're going to be positive. We're going to say we're going to grind out a victory. We're going to learn a lot about this team and a lot about Coach Ewing and Omer Yurtseven in particular this game because this is a gut check performance. If you lose this game, season's on the brink. Yeah, I agree. I think we, we go into red flag mode if we lose that. We are sending um, out like all SOS signals. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, do you, I know it's early, but how do you feel about your initial prediction? No, I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel terrible. You know, but you know me. When I'm a, I, 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 as of right now, the, the evidence simply says we are a bottom two team in the Big East. You know, so it is very much. I very much do not feel good about where we are at. I don't think anybody can feel good. All you can hope is that this coaching staff, Ewing, Coach Orr, all those guys and the players rally around one another and figure this out and fast. It's got to be done by Wednesday. Listen, 
I'm here for it. And I tend to be overly optimistic about things. Like I, I thought the Jets were gonna make the playoffs this year. <laughs> I thought that seven, you know, I, seven and nine is pretty respectable. Yeah, that team had, had, had no, Mono for a month. That team had no business winning seven games this year. So credit where credit <laughs> is due. But let me tell you, Carter, it is uh it is not looking good right now. And Wednesday is as big of a must win as I can remember. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, that I think that's, that's so. all I have to say. Yeah, I got nothing else either. But. So, oh, man, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the Hoyas without some stress. Oh yeah, you know, man, you know it just it, it, it they 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 can't do anything <laughs> without uh getting your blood boiling a little bit. Like it just wouldn't be Georgetown yeah. basketball, no way. Um, so listen, fingers crossed. With that, any closing remarks? A bit, bit of a shorter episode, but. I know everybody's a little bit depressed given the two uh, previous performances. All we can do is hope that they figure it out. Yeah, I mean, we can only talk about this stuff so much, too. And uh, I think I don't even want to watch any more highlights or anything. I I need some mental health days from this team. At least the Knicks have turned it around a little bit. Yeah, but I lost money on them the other night, those bastards. Yeah. <laughs> the Suns, man, Devin Booker is so good. He, he's nasty. He uh, is really, really yeah. talented. Even Kelly Oubre, he's a good player. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, dude, most improved is going to be such a, a dog fight, too. Probably Bam. Like I'd, I'd, I'd give it to Bam right now. Or you could give it to Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I was going to say Shea, Van Fleet, uh, Devontae Graham, Brandon Ingram. Oh, Devontae uh, Graham. Yeah. yeah. Dude, he's averaging 20 a game. Like, 20 and 8. You gotta be happy for that guy. You really gotta be happy for him. Um, yeah. he, he was I, just like, of all of all people at Kansas, you know, Frank Mason, Perry Ellis, all those guys before him, everybody thought those were the teams that were gonna get to the Final Four. And Graham, who was a complimentary, just essentially like a 3 and D guy, ended up being the guy to get Kansas back to the Final Four. And out of all those guys, he's having the best NBA career. I was at the I was at MSG to watch him hit an absolute dagger over Frank to beat the Knicks. Oh God! Like a month dude, ago. Man. Yeah, dude. So it, it could be really any of those. I mean, Shea is a budding star. Bam is just all around an absolute beast. Devonte Graham, you know, came out of nowhere. Van Vliet's balling up in Toronto. What a great! I mean, it's a great. Again. Yeah, Siakam's. Yeah, what you want to talk about insanity? I think Jaws locked up rookie of the year, but Tyler Hero. Hey, you want to talk about probably the clutchest rookie? It's got to be Hero. That guy yeah, just I, oozes swagger on the court. I was I read a funny tweet. It was like some people have ice in their veins. He has milk in his veins. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> I know, I know. It's um, hard. It's, it's, it is hard to hate that guy. Oh, he's got... I, I know I would hate him if I actually knew him. Oh, yeah, you so would. so cocky. You see the stuff he wears? Oh, my God. Yes, you would. You would, uh... Hey, live, live your best life, man. He's a taller Mac. Mm-hmm. Yes. He is. And, uh... I love that Heat team. I think I'm on board with them. If I was to root for a team to win the title, it, I would like to see Giannis win, but I, I would also love to see the Heat win because I love Jimmy Butler. I absolutely love that guy. Yeah. He's crazy. I'm, still, I'm pulling. I want that Lakers Bucks finals, man. Yeah, it would be fun. Um, LeBron's got a. If you want to talk about a team for no room for error, if you're talking Western Conference Finals, this the Lakers. They got very little room for error, given hey, how. Hey man, I mean the Clippers have not impressed me. So no, but 
We'll see. We will see. Yeah. Essentially, even if the Clippers get home field home court advantage in the Western Conference Finals, it's it won't be. It won't be. It's the Lakers who have home court all seven games. Yeah. But I don't yeah, think, I think I, I, if there's one team that that wouldn't bother, I think it would be the Clippers, given that you know Kawhi's their guy, PG's not faltered by a lot. It'll be interesting. I'm excited to watch it. Uh, I haven't been this excited for an NBA postseason in a really long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, for the sake of concision, we won't. We should do an NBA podcast or something for this. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate, appreciate all the support. Yeah, if you uh, like if you like what you heard, give us a review on yes, iTunes please. or Spotify. That would help a lot. Give us five stars. We really appreciate it. Um, we appreciate everybody who tunes in. You know, a lot of great work. gratitude oozes yeah. from us. We also apologize. At least I apologize personally for the deleting and then re-uploading of our episodes. We tried to switch podcast hosts away from a place that would charge us or was charging us to a free one. Um, so we, we had to do a lot of re-uploading, which made the dates a little bit out of line, but I think we should be good now. So we'll keep plugging the new uh, subscribe links on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Um, so please, obviously, subscribe if you like what you hear. Absolutely. And with that, Carter, Wednesday, hopefully we're one and two. Oh, man. On God, we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hoya Saxa, folks.